Welcome to Moments of Clarity with Tiffany Werner, licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida. Moments of Clarity's mission is to educate and end the stigma on mental health through the inspirational stories of our exceptional guests on Facebook and Twitter at MOC with Tiffany. Now, here's Tiffany Werner. This is Moments of Clarity. My name is Tiffany Werner. I am a licensed mental health counselor and the host. And we're doing a special Tuesday edition um, during the quarantine. We've been picking up Tuesdays at 2.30. And then we still have the show Thursday and Friday from 12 to 1. And that's all Eastern Standard Time. And it's airing live on YouTube Live at youtube.com slash MOC with Tiffany. MOC with Tiffany. Um, on Twitter at MOC with Tiffany. And um, other platforms, of course, and Facebook. So today, what we're going to be talking about is something very productive that a lot of people I know can really benefit from, and it's coping skills. And um, my guest today calls herself the mindset flipper. So taking a bad situation, things we've been through in the past, and changing our mindset so that we can, we can learn to see the benefits out of it, the silver lining, um, and really learn to try to use bad and make good out of it, you know, for, for good purposes. And a lot of people in the advocacy can understand bad things have happened to a lot of us in the past. And then when we put it towards good towards others to help them get through something else, it really makes us really empowered and, um, and not such a victim, but more of a survivor. So I want to welcome to Moments of Clarity, Stacey Urig. And hi, Stacey. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great. So, um, and I love talking to her, just telling you guys right now, um, she she thinks a lot, like, uh, in a lot of aspects, like I do when I started the show. So this going to be a great dialogue and a lot of good tips on how to get yourself, um, your mindset in the right place. So Stacey, let's talk, start in the beginning from maybe in, um, go back a little bit in your past and share with us if it's okay on how your moment of clarity came, your aha moment where you started feeling passionate about doing this. Well, I think, and we talked about this yesterday, we those of us who advocate typically come from a place of pain or a place of struggle. And we've gone through probably maybe more than the average person and or just in a large quantity. And so I can remember having a very specific moment of clarity, if you will. Mm, I wish I had my bell. Yeah, probably back in, oh gosh, 2004, probably 2000 sometime between 2000 and 2003. And at the time I owned a business with my brother and my father, and there was a lot of internal struggle going on within the business. There was stuff going on emotionally with just the fact that it was a family business. There was stuff going on within the business itself that had nothing to do with family. And I just remember feeling super overwhelmed and thinking, I got to get out of here. And I went outside of our building and I sat down the steps and I had my hands over my head. And I just remember thinking to myself, this, all this is, is just an obstacle. 
all this is, is just another challenge. How many challenges have you been through? If you could get through the things you've already gotten through, you can do this. And I just remember thinking to myself, and you know, Tiffany, honestly, like I believe in all kinds of good stuff. And it was almost like a shoulder tap or like a whisper in the ear. And it was almost like, you got this. It's just another hurdle. And it was a real moment of clarity for me because I still can remember that moment. And it's when I started looking at things through a different lens and then you know, that was almost 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's just a moment. It's just a, a momentum of things kind of building up from that moment. But I remember it very clearly. It was a real big aha moment for me. When we realize that we have the ability to surprise ourselves, I think that's an amazing feeling. When mm -hmm. we feel it feels like... a little enlightened. Mm -hmm. A little what? Enlightened. Yes, yes. And I think that's like, where people feel a sense of purpose people feel like wow i didn't know that i could accomplish that or felt like you know and that's a self-esteem or security thing or confidence thing but when we can picture ourselves or envision ourselves maybe like maybe jealous of others for having that or, or admire them for having that not jealous maybe admire others for doing certain things and then realize that we can too that we're capable like I, we are capable no it's like i am capable i am worthy i am able no matter what we've been through it really changes people's lives it just does and and not only that but the mindset of that um i told you that that um in the past you know i lost my my parents when i was very young i'm very young but like you know under 20. um and so I got through myself through school and everything on my own, which was really hard to do. Um, it wasn't easy, but I now in hindsight have a sense of respect and pride for myself that I actually didn't let that break me down, even though it was horrible going through that, you know, but then other things, writing a book or starting a radio show doing this, you know, no one told me to. It's like I, however, back in the day, I would never have thought I would have been like, oh, I can't do anything. I have no support. How am I going to get through this? And then you do find that mindset, like that different, like, well, maybe this happened for a purpose. Maybe this happened for a reason. Maybe it's the hardest things we have to go through so that we get on the right path of where we're supposed to be because. Honestly, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if that didn't happen. I, I think that that's the big part of it. It's, you know, you, you're not supposed to know when you're going through your challenge what the purpose is supposed to be. But right. you have to be open to the fact that there is a purpose to it. And, um, you know, sometimes I've struggled with sharing that with other people because, you know, what if... What if the pain is losing a loved one? What if the pain is losing a child? You know, something that's just beyond um, fathomable. And for me to say, well, there's a purpose in the pain or a gift in the challenge at that moment that the person could be possibly going through that experience, they're, they're going to be very frustrated with me because they're not going to be in that space. And I respect that. You're, you have to accept it when the time is right. But there will be. Oh, for sure. 
from that experience that are designed for you to propel you into something that you could not have been prepared for. Mm -hmm. And it, you don't know that that's what the purpose was, but it's life is preparing you for that next stage by pushing you through the painful experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seriously, Stacy, if you would have told me there's a purpose after I lost my mom and found her and all this stuff, like even like a year or two, like after I probably would have broken your nose. <laughs> Just, no, probably no. not literally, but who knows what would have happened because I was an angry teenager. Yeah, but you have to be willing to see it in that perspective at the time. And it takes healing. It takes therapy. You got to work on yourself to get to that point. Right. And I think, you know, when you ask about like the moment of clarity, like when did you know, I remember I've been with my husband now 25 years and probably about 10 years into our relationship. Do you notice that a lot of people confide in you and stuff? I was like, yeah, all the time. I felt like a secret keeper. People were constantly coming to me and it made me realize I wasn't seeking it. It was just that they felt comfortable. And it made me realize that all of the wisdom that I was able to share and the reason why they were coming to me is because I had gained the wisdom from going through a challenging experience mm. and being able to see it through a different lens. And so if you had said to me when I was going through my challenges, you know, in adolescence, because I would say that my challenges started when I was like 10 or 11, um, I probably would have punched the person in the nose too. <laughs> but now it was the greatest gift I could have ever been given all of those challenges because I dove head first into it. I think that that's a big part of it. So many people, when they go up through these experiences, they find a way to circumvent it. They try to go around it because going through it, as you know, is so painful. So most people want to avoid the pain. So they find a way to go around the problem and not mm -hmm. deal self-medicating or escaping and all that but not only that to realize and recognize that we can't change we can't we can't make the situation different we can't i mean there's a that you we have to give up control like when a loved one dies or something horrible happens there's nothing we can do about it except how we react that defines our character how we react to a horrible situation a crisis anything defines who we are, defines our character, and that that it's unfortunate, it's horrible, it's tragic. However, what, what are we gonna do? Do you know, honestly, it's, you could become a victim or you could become the survivor. You could, you could skip around it and then always have that trauma in the back or the emotional bag that we carry, or sweep things under the rug where it resurfaces every time there's a trigger. Oh, we can get the help that we need, find out positive ways to look at a bad situation, heal from the trauma so that it doesn't hurt as bad when triggered or when reminded of it, things like that. And then actually move forward with different steps, with a different purpose, with a different view on exactly how we have the ability to still persevere, to still continue even in, I guess, a situation not so fortunate or that we didn't see coming or that we wish didn't happen, but it's not like we can make it. I mean, we can always change things moving forward, but we can't change the past. So, right. 
And so here's, here are a couple of like mantras or like philosophies that I have. The first is that life is a series of experiences that are divinely designed for you. Right? So I never say it's a list of challenges or it's a thing of good experiences or bad experiences. I always feel that life is a series of experiences that are divinely designed for you. And if I were to finish that sentence, it would be divinely designed for you so you can fulfill your life's purpose. Because I feel very strongly that your life's pre purpose is kind of predestined, whether you know it or not. Here's the thing that I've learned, and this is what I talk about a lot when I'm in my workshops or in my mindset talks. We as people, we're the ones that call an experience good or bad, right? And so mm -hmm. I usually go through this exercise with people and they'll say, I want you to take a piece of paper and I want, to, I want you to write down top five positive experiences you've had in your life. They write them down and then they say, okay, tell me why it was positive. Oh, well, it made me feel really good. I was happy. Um, you know, usually it falls around feeling happy is basically it, right? That's usually designated as a positive experience. And then I'll say to them, okay, good. Now I want you to write down top three most painful experiences you've ever had in your life, the worst experiences you've ever had in your life. And they write them down and I'll say, okay, somebody, you know, volunteer to share. And I'll say, share with me your three experiences. And they, they share them. And I said, okay, would you label that as a good or a bad experience? Well, it was horrible. It was bad. Why? Well, it didn't make me feel good. And I was sad and I was angry and I was frustrated. And they had all these emotions around the experience that were quote, unquote negative. So I said, okay, if you compare the two lists of experiences, which one got you to the next level in your life? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the bad one, you know, I learned, like, I'll use your example, Tiffany, like your parents died. It's a tragedy. It's a horrible thing, but you cracked open, you grew, you evolved from that experience. Normally, these positive experiences don't force us to crack open, evolve, pivot, change, mm -hmm. right? Because they're comfortable. So then I say to them, okay, so the person you are now, because you went through that, and I'm going to use the quotes, bad experience, because that's the way that they designate them. Which one had a more impactful piece of your life and they're like well the bad ones I'm like well then why are they bad they're not bad they're probably one of the greatest gifts that you were ever given because it taught you your resilience it taught you how to take something challenging and grow from it when I'm able to show that to people it's a mind blow mm -hmm. because they're the ones that put the language and as you know this is what happened we use this, this language, good versus bad. We use the bad to create stories. And then we live those stories out. Oh, this is going to, this, these things never happen. You know, good things never happen to me because these bad things have always happened to me. So we kind of almost manifest more challenge in our life because we tend to focus on the stories that were quote unquote negative. So right. true. I've got clients in my caseload that do that right now. And it's like, oh. write down all the good things you've experienced. But we like to focus on the bad things that we've been in because those impacted us the most, right? They impacted us the most. So, to in, so in my opinion, they're actually the greatest gift that you've ever been given. That's why I love to say there's a gift in every challenge. There's always a pain in your purpose or a purpose in your pain. 
No pain, right? no gain, right? Pain, no gain. You ha- you go outside and you have a wonderful day. That's great. It fills your bucket. I think it's fantastic. But those are not the ones that cause you to evolve. And our goal as humans is to, you know, evolve, become enlightened, learn things in our lifetime mm-hmm. that we can then share with others. That's really, I think, everybody's purpose is to help each other. But so, the, to add to that, though, what I find most important with that and I, I completely agree with you, except for when bad things happen to people and they don't get the proper help for it, it can evolve into a negative. And mm-hmm. they can live in the victim role or a negative mindset or not evolve into their purpose because they aren't, they aren't allowing themselves to heal or grieve or take like as a learning opportunity or a mistake as a learning opportunity or things of that nature. Sometimes people carry shame and guilt and undeserved shame and guilt, especially from something that wasn't their fault. And unless they heal, they carry the negative mindset with them rather than flipping it. Like how you say you're the mindset flipper rather than flipping it into a sense of purpose, a sense of good, a sense of learning something maybe we didn't choose, but we'll figure out down the road why it happened. Bad things happen to good people, but maybe it was good people that had to learn that bad situation in order to put them on the path that they are meant to be. I think yeah. that that's the point. And it was interesting because as soon as you said when bad things happen to good people, I wrote down the word too. This is a huge part of what I coach on, a huge part. When somebody says to me, oh my God, I can't believe that happened to you. And they literally say the word to you. It's like, it's so toxic to me. I say, oh no, 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 That didn't happen to me. That happened around me. That happened maybe even for me. But I don't allow anything to happen to me. Because mm-hmm. we have our internal power and we have our external power, right? So, like, if you happen to be a victim of abuse or something in that nature, I understand that physically something could be happening to somebody physically, right? Mm-hmm. But I always still believe that every single challenge, every single experience, regardless of what we call it, is happening for the benefit of that person. And it doesn't have to be at that moment. And so when I talk to people about this concept, I usually conclude it with saying, look, you've got three things that you need to be harnessing all day long. One is awareness. How are you thinking and how are you verbalizing? What are the words that you're using to describe what's going on around you all day long? Are you constantly saying, I can't believe this is happening to me? Of course, this is happening to me. All these bad things. That's a victim role. Right. That's victim language, right? Victim language, yep. Or two versus, I wonder why this is happening. What am I supposed to get from this, right? That's more of this concept of this is actually rigged in my favor in some way, shape, or form, even the most atrocious of atrocious. So I always say to people, awareness number one. Think about your language. Catch yourself. The more you're aware of it, the more you catch yourself. Number two is what you just talked about, the surrender. So when we surrender and we know 
that everything that happens in and around our space is rigged in our favor to allow us to learn lessons. Mm. I give it up a little bit because too often the ego gets in the way and we're like, oh, no, 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 that shouldn't be the case. And I think should is like the biggest synonym for shame. So when we stop shutting yourself, stop shutting yourself, right? So every single time we surrender and say, okay, it's not really the way I would want it, but I'm going to flow with it because it's happening. And Mm -hmm. so it's happening for a reason. And then the third is gratitude, right? So you've got awareness, surrender, gratitude. Gratitude is I'm so grateful for the awareness and the ability to surrender and know that this too is going to be working for me in my favor, even if it's 30, 40 years down the road. I know. I, I was going to say, sometimes it takes time. Shit. Oh, my. That's okay. Well, my language. The, I find if I, I, my clarity, my true clarity probably didn't come into its real formal self until like 40, which was eight years ago. But I started trauma when I was 10, 11, 12. This was 30 years. It, I didn't know that when the trauma was happening. Right? Of course not, if you're 11 or 12. No, of course not. So instead, you're walking around with that should. Why is yeah, this happening? The shame, the There's guilt, the undeserved stuff. Until you get help for it. Also isolation. Because what happens is, is when people are dealing with shame, they're not willing to share it. And as we know, I mean, all the research I've done is that, you know, the biggest, the biggest adder of shame is disconnect and isolation. The more you have a secret, the more the shame grows. So if you are carrying around this piece of yourself that you don't feel like you can fully share because people may think that there's something wrong with you, it manifests itself even greater. So I I didn't know. I always saw myself as a victim for sure. When I was a teenager, even in my twenties, it wasn't until I went through some more challenging experiences and more and more and more that I kind of just surrendered and said, okay, obviously there's a purpose here. So Mm -hmm. I'm now going to sit back and I'm going to let it come. And I'm going to stop using language that's negative and that's against me. And I'm going to start using language where I can really see this happening. And it makes sense, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't mean like one thing that I find uh, there's a comment that a lot of people make and I find always wrong. And they say it happened too long ago. There's no hope for me now. Oh, I hate that. Yes. 100% of the time that's incorrect or it's, I've lived with it long enough or why why get help now? It's been so long ago. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Completely incorrect. Mm-hmm. You, there's always time to heal. And in fact, if you're even thinking that way, that means that there's stuff to heal and you can live life happy and or at least happier at least not with those flashbacks or terrors or whatever the trauma that you've been through. I mean, even a divorce. I mean, we're not, we're talking about childhood stuff or trauma like loss, but it could have been a divorce, a tragedy, um, near death experience. Um, Just as we passed Memorial Day, I celebrated it remembering my uncle and my father, you know, um, it wasn't like happy Memorial Day for me. 
you know, I actually take the holiday and respect those that have fallen soldiers, stuff like that. Everyone's different. But but I don't look at it in a sad way anymore. It's more like respecting that things happen for a reason. Um, and But it's never too late to get help and to repair. Like you were saying, Stacey, that is like, how many years ago that you finally got help and oh gosh so i finally sought help well i'll tell you this so to go back and just real quick before i go back when you were saying you know the goal can be happiness for me the goal is peace because i know there's always going to stuff that comes up that's going to the same thing though and happy right but i want to be peaceful regardless I kind of put those I think those kind of go hand in hand. So, you know, for me, honestly, I want world peace. <laughs> Miss America. That's what I want. World peace. I, I don't know. All of those things. Um, so another moment of clarity. And well, you were asking. I've like, my bell. I need to get a bell. Someone remind me to get a bell before Friday, Thursday. Um, you need, you know, when you were saying, like, when did you finally get help? So, interestingly enough, in retrospect, because I didn't think it was so odd at the time, but in retrospect, it's probably pretty unusual. Um, things at home were pretty challenging when I was growing up. My parents got divorced when I was 11. They were both remarried within three months. More children came into the picture. Um, it, there was a lot of chaos happening, and I didn't really have any one parent that was super focused on the existing two kids. They kind right. of were, they were in the bliss and they were in their new marriages and new babies were coming and it, it moved was at on. Very, yeah, it was at a very young age where I was grieving. Now in retrospect, I was grieving my old life and they moved so quickly. I wasn't allowed to grieve. It didn't, it, they didn't even want me to be grieving the fact that my parents were now divorcing and I was moving and my dog was put to sleep and all these different things. Each one of those was a grieving process and I didn't get a chance to go through any of that. And the scenarios, the step parenting scenarios were not ideal. Mm -hmm. And so it was at the age of about 15 or 16 that I begged and when I say I, I mean, I begged my mother to send me to therapy and she didn't want me to go because, you know, this was probably, gosh, 1987, I'm guessing. And so here I am begging and begging and begging her to send me and basically saying, I'm not going to come home. I was at my father's house. I said, I'm not coming home unless you promise me that you will take me to a therapist. I have a 15-year-old. If my 15-year-old came to me today and had to beg me to go to therapy, if that's not a red flag, I don't know what is. So here I am begging for it. I'm being told no. I'm being told we're going to try these other things, all because of stigma. This is why I'm so passionate about it. Oh, my it. gosh. This is so funny. If You, you must have watched my, my like self story <laughs> it's it's very similar I lost one parent before the other asked for help they said no but they were worrying they said we're not crazy that was stigma i was like obviously stigma. i had to pay for half of it it was 15 dollars. i had to pay for seven dollars of it myself 
because they were trying to dissuade me so much from going. Because what crazy. if everybody finds out? Yeah, you're crazy if you go. Well, you created this scenario where I don't have the support. Right. So when you talk about, like, when did you finally get help? I think I was now being a mom of teenagers. Oh, my God. Like, first of all, it would break my heart if my kid had to beg me for it. I'd be like, let's go now. And the second thing is, is I don't know how I knew to go. I didn't know anyone going. No one. No one right. was going to therapy in the 80s. It really wasn't a topic on TV. or I mean, honestly, it was divided. Or the 90s, just yeah. putting it there. I mean, no. it's just now making a movement, like, right. recently. It was, like, divine intervention, and I was not born with any religion whatsoever. You know, my dad's Jewish, my mom's Protestant. Like, we weren't born with any kind of structured religion. I'm kind of very Buddhist by nature. And... So it wasn't like it was being presented to me by anyone. Somehow I knew I need help. No one is getting it. And I didn't, I just knew I needed the help. And so I had a, a, a long history of, you know, 25 years of on and off therapy um, until I actually went to clinical hypnotherapy and that, was like amazing for me because I was able to get to the subconscious and the root of a lot of my issues and a lot of the fight or flight that I was dealing with physically, even though my mental status was good, um, that allowed me to find that piece that we were talking about where I don't get the physical fight or flight reaction when I'm in a triggered scenario. Right. You don't get a panic attack anymore. Correct. And mm -hmm. my panic attacks were severe. Mm -hmm. and it but never you can heal from that looking the listeners you guys <laughs> it's possible to heal from that and my biggest challenge was that i had done the work my mental health in the sense that i was practicing awareness i was practicing surrender i was practicing gratitude in my mind i got it like there was nothing i was mulling over i had let all of the experiences go as beneficial to me. I wasn't harping on them. But physically, physically, my body was still reacting. I had such a sensitive fight or flight because it had to be sensitive growing up. I was constantly in physical, I was in perceived danger a lot. You were in so survivor mode. You right. were so constantly on alert, hypervigilance. Wondering what's coming next, uh, worrying about what's going to happen next, worrying about another like sudden change. Yeah. All the time, ready and to that's go. That's how people in survivor mode are. Right. And so in my 40s, I remember finally getting the name of this one gal. A couple of people that were therapists that I was good friends with were like, this is the one you need to go to. And I called the lady and I said, look, here's the deal. I get it up here. I can't get rid of it here. I just can't get rid of it. And so that's why for me personally, um, I had done all the work with all the other therapists to get my acceptance and my surrender in check. But my body was not checking in with it. And so going to a clinical hypnotherapist really helped me almost like release the sensitivity of that fight or flight response mm -hmm. in a way that I did not think was possible. The power of suggestion in the mind is, is huge. 
So whether it's a hypnotherapy or if it was just the right thing to say to help reprogram the brain from fearing being in that constant state of fear, this what I call survivor mode, the, um, you know, some people have gone through very minimal trauma. They feel sheltered lives. They think that they're going to live forever. They don't worry about stuff. And then the people that have gone through trauma, especially during childhood, are like, oh, crap. Like, well, we don't have to be. On the flip side, here's the flip mindset flipper. Survivor mode, people that have gone through trauma or some sort of complication or hard life are very resourceful as adults. <laughs> Very smart. I like to call it, right? What? Street smart. Street and book smart, yeah. Like, you give us a problem, we'll figure it out. Um, I mean, all the way. Um, very resourceful. It's like, oh my gosh, this is happening. The plot tire, what do we do? It's like, you know, whatever. We, that's a stupid example, but, this but is why I always know what to do. When I had that aha moment that I talked about at the beginning where I was sitting on the steps outside of my office, feeling so overwhelmed with whatever it was that was going on, I can't even really remember, where I had that click of a, this is just another challenge. And it's not even nearly as hard as anything else you've been through. Step back from it, look at the dials that you have to turn, figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I've always been street smart. I don't have a lot of fear. And I think the reason why I don't have a lot of fears, and I, I have another business, I'm an entrepreneur in addition to doing the mindset work and people get so hung up about fear. And it's mostly fear of what other people are going to think and what other people are going to, you know, judgment. And I realized that I don't have that fear because at such a young age, I realized that I was not being guided well. And mm -hmm. so I wasn't relying on other people's opinions to make decisions. I had to become very self-reliant at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And so to that point, you know, I'm sure my husband would laugh if he heard me say it. I have a hard time taking other people's opinions. Like I'm, I'm, I'm usually like, no, we're going to do it this way. Like I have to step back and be like, oh, that might be a good idea because I'm so used to being only responsible for me and making my my decisions and have to trust them. I think a lot of people lack hard confidence. for you to ask for help probably too, right? Hard oh, for yeah. you to ask for help and for you to allow people to help you and give up that control because of how you've mm -hmm. been most mm -hmm. of your life. Right. Yep. But there's a, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of good that do, does come from bad and a lot well, of advocacy that, it does it makes people resourceful, but um, at the same time, you've got to really do the work and to heal and, mm -hmm. to, when, and to let go of some of that, of the, the pain and the trauma and to know that, um, that up until this day, we've survived the worst days of our lives 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. so and like, that's when somebody comes to me and they say, oh my God, I just can't do this. I go, no, you can do it. And they said, how do you know? I'm like, because you've done hard things. You know, when I do my resilience workshops, I do a roadmap exercise. And it's after, it's usually in the last third, it's a, usually a three hour workshop. And then that last hour, we do a roadmap exercise based on everything we've already talked about. And in that roadmap, I have people literally map out on a 
on a worksheet that looks like a road, like a very windy road. Um, life experiences. Don't, don't designate them as good or bad, just milestones, you know. You graduated from high school, you met your first boyfriend, you got married, you know, you lost your first job, like whatever it is. But next to every single experience, they have to put an R and circle it next to something that required resilience. Mm -hmm. Both positive and negative experiences both require resilience. And at the end, I would say to them, okay, I want you to tell me how many milestones you were able to write down. 60. Okay, great. How many of them do you have an R next to? 45. Well, what does that show you? It's like life is a series of experiences that are designed to show you that you can. So when people come to me and they say, I can't do this, I'm like, but you can do it because you've been doing it. <laughs> I hate to be your client <laughs> only because my milestones would be like, I, mean, I don't have time to write them all down. <laughs> Stacy, give me another assignment. I'm no, just kidding. Well, it is the assignment people don't want to do. They're like, why are we doing this? I'm like, just roll with me. Just work with it. But, you know, my goal with something like that is for them to come out feeling like a warrior. Yeah. My goal is for them to come out and be like, oh my God, I do do hard things. I, I can do the next challenging thing that's going to come up against me. And I say to them, you might have that challenge in the next hour. You might have it in the next week. Like uh -huh. get another one. Let me but go through all these things. How are you going to approach it? Yeah. You realize that it's actually designed for you. And I'll tell you, I remember my husband's one of 10 kids. So I have a lot of in-laws. And I remember sitting with two Bless sisters. Bless your heart. Yeah. I remember sitting with two of my sister-in-laws. This had to be back in the late 90s. And both were on the Shire side, um, came from pretty good solid households. And I was always kind of like the foul-mouthed, like not afraid of most things. And one of them was like, I just wish I had your confidence. And I was like, yeah, but you do understand that my level of confidence and like self-worth comes from the fact that I was forced to figure it out. Like if I had to sit back and look at like the childhood that you had versus the childhood that I had, who's to say I wouldn't have wanted yours? Like you, you didn't need to flex that muscle. You didn't need to learn that. And that's a, that's awesome. Like, I don't even know what that would look like. So like. But there's you know, a psychology uh, workshop thing that everybody breaks down their problems, put them all in a basket, shuffle them up and then everyone picks another one out cool. and the end of the workshop most people want their problems back because those are the ones they're familiar with having to they they know them they, they can handle them even if they don't seem as I bad right but there's a lot of things that um yeah i mean that it makes it a little bit more thick-skinned able to be more resilient to other things i mean but you know, I could go through all sorts of stuff and then my car breaks down and I'm boohooing like you wouldn't <laughs> flat tire. I'm like, no. Yeah, tired of being strong, right? That's oh my gosh. So I don't want to have to make another decision. Just let me have a break for a moment. Uh, just car trouble gets oh, my nerves. We have some, um, we have <laughs> Brian. Ryan, uh, Ryan on our show says to you, by the way, thanks for using a reusable straw and reducing plastic waste. 
<laughs> like my feet yeah. uh, the, yep, the metal straw. But see, Brian, I don't have a straw. Thank you for not even using one, Tiffany. Um, uh, so we have some things from um, Facebook Live. How much does societal stigma of mental illness contribute to our shame? I think that's I mean, from David Aguilar. I think because a lot of people just won't get help because of the stigma, and so therefore there is shame because you're walking around in secrecy that you're feeling horrible. You're not willing to tell anybody that you're not happy. And so therefore, it, it's, it's a waterfall effect. It's horrible. This is why I'm very vocal. Like, I've worked really hard to build up a following on social media because of my other business. And I have made it a passion of mine and a purpose of mine to go out there and share my struggles. Infertility, adoption challenges with childhood like whatever it is I share it the fact that I take Zoloft the fact that I've dealt with medication and mindfulness and yoga like all these different things I put it out there because if I can just help one person say oh my god if she could do that I can do that it's so you have a 15 year old 15 and 11 both adopted both what both adopted from oh, Korea from Korea Oh, okay. Well, good for you for being able to adopt and everything. And infertility is a hard one to get through. So been through some huge struggles. Um, and you sharing, and I'm sure helps so many people. Um, Karen Bia said, "How do you get the motivation and willpower to force yourself to do things when you're not in the right headspace mentally and emotionally?" Thanks, Karen. Well, sometimes you're not. I mean, sometimes you have to hit that rock bottom to say, I don't want to feel this empty anymore. You know, I don't, I want more. Um, and that's when it's really important to call somebody like Tiffany or call a therapist and say, I, I think something's not right. You know, I think that getting into a therapist is a huge help when Especially you have the motivation. Especially to hold ourselves accountable when we're feeling like we don't have the motivation or we're not in the right headspace to have someone go, come on, you can do this, get up. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if it's not clinical depression and it's just like lack of motivation or whatever, or to go see someone for medication, if it's clinical and mm -hmm. someone just can't get up or, you know what I mean? There's, there's so many different things, and but, I think um, to for anybody ask for help, find one person that they can feel confident in confiding in and ask them to be like an accountability partner. So I remember when I was going through my infertility journey and I do call it a journey because it's basically the best way to describe it. And I became very good friends with another gal that was going through a similar struggle, but we were on different paths, right? Mm -hmm. She was going down like an IVF route. I was going down an adoption route and she was very depressed because these IVFs were not working for her. And so she was putting her body through all this physical IVF in vitro right. fertilization, right? Is that yeah. And then she had, you know, when you're going through that, you physically put your body through a lot, but then you're also emotionally, you're setting your expectations so high and you're constantly experiencing disappointment. It's just a, a huge roller coaster. And I would call her because I knew what her situation was because she confided in me. 
every day and I'd be like, what are you doing? I'm in bed. Good. I'll be at your door in three minutes. Get your shoes on. We're going for a walk. And if we don't go for a walk, I'm just going to stand there and like basically bang on your door until you come out. Like you have to find that one person that's willing to be your person that will, that you will allow them to see you in your worst and you will drag them out because, and, and then you're not allowed to get annoyed with them for being the one. You got to find your person holding Even you accountable if it's for therapy. You got to be able to find one person you can confide in. Yeah. Or that will hold you accountable or be there for you or, you know, whichever. So we're getting close to an hour on, um, um, so Stacy, how can people find you? I know that you have a website and that you're an entrepreneur and you also do coaching as the mindset flipper. So, I mean, really social media is kind of my jam. So people can follow me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, both are going to have a lot of insight. Um, and I can be found at my name at Stacy Urig. Um, I also have a, um, another page, but it has a curse word in it. So I'm not going to say it in case. Okay. Just spell it. Um, L E T S F L I P T H A T S H I P. Okay. So and let's flip that. Shiznit. Shiznit. Um, <laughs> but, but you can always, the... uh, if you just, if you're in, um, Facebook, you can look up Stacy Urich mindset flipper. And then I also have a website, stacyurig.com. I try to make it as easy as possible. Let's flip that stuff. Let's flip it. That's on Instagram? Or is that your Facebook page? Facebook. Mm-hmm. What? It's on Facebook. Oh, okay. But my, uh, my name on Instagram, you can find me there as well. And I'm very active there in stories and on my timeline. Um, so that's so much, you know, a lot of people are, you know, they get feel stuck in their rut and a lot mm-hmm. of times it's a choice. It is a choice. And, um, we can be a victim or survivor. We can let the past define us or we can let the future define who we are really meant to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, the past can evolve us into who we're meant to be in the future, but it doesn't mean that just because we've had a rough past or anything that that who's who we are. It's who's that's what's created us to become who we are today. And I just, I have said it before. I'll say it again. What, how we react to certain situations is what defines our character. It's how it defines our integrity, our honor and how we will persevere. And we can let a situation tear us apart or we can stand up and, and figure out how to way through it, no matter how horrible it was or heartbreaking or anything. Cause that's why they say when one door op- closes, another one opens, you know, or this too shall pass. I mean, all of our ancestors have great quotes for stuff like this. Cause you know what? <laughs> They've been through this stuff. So, so I encourage you guys to follow Stacy, your rig and it's spelled U H R I G. So it's nothing like it sounds, but you're rig. <laughs> it's like almost like a rig, but, but it's pronounced your rig. And, um, and I hope you got a lot from our, our presentation today because Stacy kind of speaks my language. I mean, it's, it's so true. 
that if if you're dealing with something from the past that still bugs you or that puts you in a negative mindset or anything like that, then seek help. It's never too late. It's never ever too late. I swear. I swear it's never too late. You can quote me on that. You can hold that to me. It's never too late to seek help for something, no matter how long ago it was. Yeah. And um, Stacy, thank you so much for being on Moments of Clarity and for for sharing your journey and everything, and for being there for so many people. And um, and please keep in touch. And I encourage yeah, I you guys to follow that. her and keep in touch. And for more Moments of Clarity, don't forget we're on every Thursday and Friday. All these platforms plus live radio on Thursday and Friday. But um, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash MOC with Tiffany. Oh, and then there's exciting news too that we just got accepted to the Apple podcast. So if you have an iPhone or Apple or iPad, please subscribe to Apple podcast and um, or just download the app and then look for Moments of Clarity. And it's right there and subscribe. It's really exciting. We're, we're really making a lot of movement forward and ending the stigma on mental health so that hopefully our children and our grandkids don't have to go through what Stacy and I went through when we needed help back in the day too. It's going to be more accessible. There's not going to be a stigma and people understand everything. So that's my dream. That's my goal. If you're with me, please subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Moments of Clarity. And then, of course, the website, mocclaritytiffany.com. And everything's pretty much at MOC with Tiffany. So Apple and YouTube, though, please follow. And thank you again, Stacey. We'll be back with Moments of Clarity this Thursday, this Friday, 12 to 1 on those days. And I'll see you then. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Bye.